waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. Today, we have a fabulous guest. She's written a great book called Loving to the End and On. And what this is about today are near-death experiences and people who have actually had near-death experiences. And so this is a really interesting show, and you might want to share this. If you know somebody who has had somebody die recently, this is a show that they need to listen to. And my guest here today. Her name is Lynn B. Robinson, and she is a distinguished, she's had a distinguished career in marketing and international business at the University of South Alabama, including running her own successful management consulting firm. Um, she has now devoted her life to death. Now that may sound strange, but she has, uh, she certainly wasn't ready for it herself, but the time has come to overcome her surprise and trepidation at receiving messages from family, friends, and strangers who were no longer alive in physical bodies. So What's happened is Lynn is an intuitive and she's written a fabulous book. It's called Loving to the End and On. And we're so pleased to have her on the show today. Welcome to High Road to Humanity, Lynn. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Well, Especially this time of year. I know. Holiday and people don't like to talk about this subject. And it's a perfect time because you can keep on loving. Even I agree. This is gone. Yeah. Well, you know, tell the audience your story. I mean, how did you go into this subject? I mean, why did you start talking about death? What What brought you? Tell Tell the audience your story. What's your story, Lynn? Well, this I'll try to shorten it because I can tend to be a little long winded. But oh, we've got an hour. It's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I'm not sure at what age that I actually became aware that I was hearing messages from those not in physical bodies, maybe maybe even entities that have never been in a physical body, like an angel or something. I don't know. So you're and a I, psychic. Let me clarify. You're yeah. a psychic just like I'm a psychic. Uh, I don't usually use that word. What I, do you, you use? I just say I know stuff. <laughs> Me too. How <laughs> I know it, <laughs> and I think most people do. Okay. And I also think that a lot of people are a little bit afraid of the word psychic. Right. And there's no reason to be afraid of it, but I think people are. Uh, I think it conjures up. Oh my goodness, this person is weird and eerie and knows things right. that I know and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we all do. We all have hunches or gut feelings or whatever you want to call it. So, but the actual communicating with people no longer in the physical bodies I may have done that as a child with an imaginary playmate. Okay. Uh, who who could have been? I don't know. Uh, and but then you fast forward, and I guess I was in maybe my late teens when I was aware that I had information. And sometimes I thought it was just a dream or just something popped into my head, but I didn't know how it popped into my head. And as I became more aware of it and paid more attention to it, 
then I began realizing I'm actually in communication somehow with people who are not in bodies on this earth anymore because I would get information and check it out with somebody else. But you weren't afraid. It didn't scare you. Huh? Uh, I guess it didn't. Right. Cause you continued I, I thought, on. Well, I thought kind of, it was weird, but then, you know, that's also part of my background because um, I just made up my mind in my life, what I wanted to do. And I did it when I wanted to major in business I graduated from high school in 1956. I'm, I'm an old bird. And uh, I had to find a school that would allow a woman to study in a college of business. I see. So, you know, that was considered weird. Right. And that was nowadays, that's very normal. And maybe even the majority of the class might be a, a woman. So, you know, when you get into what's weird and what's not, I don't know. So because I was willing to do things that other people maybe didn't do, I was open to these messages and tracking them down and asking people. And then I did begin reading and I okay. read vociferously what I could find. A so lot you researched is what you're saying. You started sure. researching. Uh, and how did you get into near death experience? Because I had empathy for the people who had them. When I first became interested, say 20 years ago, there wasn't nearly as much published as there, as there is now. There were not, uh, celebrities going on TV. There were not physicians going on online and talking about their own experiences. And here were these people who wanted to be believed. And I thought, well, you know, I haven't had your experience in, in, in having lost my life, my vital signs, right. but I have, like you, seen and heard and hung out with people who were not in their physical bodies. Right. And, you know, honestly, I mean, I think we've talked about this because you've been on my show before, but it's happened to me and it happened in the shower for me. I had a couple people come to me that uh, a guy I went to high school with um, came to me in the shower and I'll just tell the audience and, and I didn't even know he had passed. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, what is this? And, and a lot of people get this in the shower. I've realized that now after time. And, um, <laughs> And then, yeah, and then I checked it and he was gone and I helped him go to the light. I had to learn what to do, what to say. And it was a new thing for me too. How did you learn? Did you do the same thing? You figured out how to tell people how to go to the light? Um, I not consciously did that, but I guess I did help them do that. I know I became more conscious of it when I went to the Monroe Institute. Right. And I, Chris, you have to go to their opening thing. So I did that. But then I did that so that I could go to their session on um, after death um, and being in touch with after death. And, and I became it, there. I was able to actually help people I had never known. Oh, okay. so that was that was a different experience. Uh, right. Totally. But I do have to comment on your friend coming to you in the shower. I, I just have to because my <laughs> friends in recent years have been very ill. And as I say, I'm an octogenarian now. So I've lost a number of friends from their physical bodies and, and have right. to communicate otherwise when I can. I, I can't always. And that sometimes is very frustrating. But I remember telling them when they were ill. 
there's one place you cannot come to visit me, and that is in the bathroom. Whether it's <laughs> on the toilet, in the shower, or the tub, you are not allowed in the bathroom. Well, for some reason, that's where they come. Now, I've had to, just like you, put my foot down, I guess you want to say, and say, okay, I'm in the bath. Don't bother me. But for some reason, it's the water or something, or we're more relaxed, I think. Uh, both of those things, because uh, water okay. is a water transmits sound when you are in a physical body, so that that makes sense. It 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 uh, it, it broadens the sound, and more sound can come through. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so yeah, I've learned to do that, and and you know, it's it's not a scary thing. It's actually, and I want to tell the audience this: it's not a scary thing. It's actually a comforting thing because you're helping somebody go to the light and go to be with their loved ones. Don't you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. It's also helpful in other ways, not just to go to the light. But to allow them to realize that they have been able to make a contact. Right. Yes. And sometimes I think they're lost because I've had a couple where they're just lost and they don't know, like they're disorientated. Yes. I think you may get more of those than I do. Maybe I have shut myself off to some of that. Yeah. Because I tend to be more in touch with people I have known or who are able to communicate to me through picture or. Ah. Some other means of maybe a song or um, something that's a metaphor that I associate with someone else. And I know that this is someone who is trying to get in touch with a person I know, whether I know them personally, professionally or casually in some organization. So I've had more of that than just the random soul that's seeking help. Right. No, I know what you mean. Uh, my sister has passed and she was uh, very musical. And, and that hit home when you said that because she has certain songs and I'll get a song in my head that she used to sing and I know it's her. So yeah. I get that. I get that completely. That's really awesome. So what what prompted you to to write the book? And because did you just feel like we don't deal with death very well here, do we? No, we don't. But what prompted me, and this is something in the introduction of the book, and I'll hold it up again. Um, there's something <laughs> in the introduction of the book uh, about a dean of nursing who is a friend of mine and okay. wanted me to teach a course on the near-death experience for nurses. Right. And I'll shorten the story a whole lot. Long and the short of it is, finally, the vice president for health or whatever it was term for that university when I had jumped through all sorts of hoops to, to be um, qualified to teach this course, because it was in nursing, not business. Okay. Um, so that, you know, had different qualifications. Any rate, he finally said, well, 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 she just can't do it because she may talk about talking to dead people. Oh, my goodness. It's a scary thought. <laughs> and that ended that. So, so, so it then, didn't happen. So it never happened. Yeah, so the course never happened, but I said to my friend, because she was so apologetic, because I had put in hours of work to, right. to do all that was necessary to create the syllabus, etc. cetera. Right. Um, I said, don't worry about it. I'll turn it into a book. And you did. And I did, but it took on a life of its own. It is not what the course would have been. It became this course or this book on love all the way to the very end of physical connection, and then beyond. Right. And for those people who don't say, don't, don't feel that there is a beyond, I say just for a moment, suspend your disbelief. 
But even if you can't do that, there are ways to continue the love without the kind of connection that you and I have had or believe that we've had with non-physical entities. They're the memories. They're the piece of clothing that you put on because they liked it or it was theirs. Right. Those sorts of ways to stay connected. So the the love never really has to go away. And you can remember it so deeply that you can just feel it in the pit of your stomach and into the very marrow in your bones if you'll allow yourself. Yeah, and we've got about uh, one minute to break, but they're all around us. And and I want to talk about that some more. I've got a couple more stories to tell, and I bet you do too. Um, You know, if you allow... Um, know that your loved ones are there. They're not gone. I think that's the biggest thing that I always try to get across to people uh, when they have a loved one who dies is that they're not gone. They've just gone to heaven, another dimension. They're still, their soul is still there. Their physical body just isn't there. Agreed. Absolutely. I don't know why it seems that we have such a hard time wrapping our head around that because we all die. But nobody wants to talk about it. So, I mean, I'm really glad you wrote this book because it gives people, you tell stories in this book, which I think is wonderful. You tell real stories that have happened to people and to show people that it doesn't have to be a horrible, horrible thing um, when you die. Listen, this is Nancy Yearout. We're getting ready to go to break, but um, we're here today and we're with Lynn B. Robinson. She's a PhD. This is her book. It's called Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossible Possible. And this is Nancy Yearout, and we will be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hey, all you High Road listeners out there, I just want to take a moment to share with you our new sponsor. I've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to my loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rate. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com.
We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Hirout, your host, and we're here today with Lynn Robinson, and we're talking about death, and we're talking about near-death experiences. And Lynn, um, I've got some stories to tell you, but I know you have stories to tell the audience. Should I tell you mine first, or you want to tell me yours? Well, maybe we'll just swap back and forth. Go. All right. That sounds cool. I'd love to hear yours. Well, since I've talked to you last, <laughs> I talked to you in January. My father passed in June, and I want to share this story with you because you're the person that I really want to share it with. Oh, goody. Yeah, because, okay, I was very close to my dad, except when my, fa- and my father was, gosh, 89 years old, and he lived a wonderful life, but he couldn't, he couldn't hear so much anymore and he couldn't walk and his, uh, I guess his quality of life had really gone down and I, he hadn't been ill or anything. So all of a sudden they called me and said they didn't think he was going to make it. They were putting him in a hospice situation. So the night before he died, uh, physically died, my daughter was there and she FaceTimed me and I think he was waiting for me. In fact, I know a couple things. I know he was waiting for me because I had this yellow bird that kept pecking at my window and it had been pecking at my window for two weeks. And I kept thinking, why is this yellow bird pecking at my window? There's no food. There's no bugs. What is going on here? I even filmed it at one point. So let me preface with that. Then I faced, she FaceTimed me and I said goodbye. I told my dad how much I loved him and what a wonderful man he was and how, what a great father he was. And, and it was okay to go. Well, Lynn, I walked back into my living room from my bedroom and I sat down on the couch and I looked up and I could see him standing there and he was young and he looked at me and he did the wave like, see you later. And that was it. Wow. And I get chills now. And that was the greatest gift that God ever gave me because I loved my father so dearly, but he showed me that he was okay. And he was going, have you ever heard anything like that? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was, Lord, I mean, if you don't believe if I didn't believe in God, that was the time. <laughs> Absolutely. You Tell know, me. Well, um, in, I think it's in this book. Cause you know, I, I wrote an earlier book in the middle in like 1994, 1995, that was called coming out of your psychic closet, how to unlock your, your, that's right. That's right. Natural and intuitive self. Yeah. Right. And there's a story in there that I'll get back to, but in the more recent book that you held up, uh, loving to the end and on is a mention of, um, a very good friend who was dying and her daughters knew that she was dying and she's in the hospital and they saw her father who was deceased come down the sliding board, but the sliding board was actually superimposed on a closet door. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and, and he was very playful. Uh, and he had also had some amputations when he was younger, but he was whole. Right. Like your father looked young. Yes. He was whole. Yes. And, um, and they knew that it wasn't quite time for her because he was just, he was playing with her. He wasn't there to accompany her or anything. And she did die shortly thereafter. So that's a similar thing. In my Psychic Closet book, there's a story about my aunt who um, died and uh, at a much earlier age than my mother, who was her, her younger sister. 
because she had been at school up east and had been in a fire and was badly burned and and scarred. And because of that uh, being burned, um, she wore a wig. Okay. And she wore very heavy makeup because in those years, which was the 20s or 30s, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. the, the plastic surgery wasn't what it is today. Right. So they had to do skin grafts that showed. And so she wore heavy makeup. Well, when she died, she left my brother and sister and me a little money. And we had used it towards the down payment on this house. Okay. And we'd only been in the house for a couple of weeks and I awakened and I saw my aunt standing at the end of the bed. Okay. My husband's asleep next to me right. and I look at her and she had no scars. She oh. looked like the pictures I had seen when she was in college before the fire. Oh my God. That's yeah. wonderful. And she was gorgeous. She was gorgeous as a, as a, young woman right. and he was gorgeous standing at the end of the bed and I elbowed my husband and said, <laughs> honey <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> I sleep again. but it, it just it well first of all I knew that she knew how we had enjoyed her her gift to us right and I could and she oh that's the other thing about a week before her fatal heart attack, which is what took her out. And she'd had a lot of weakening of her body from, from, at any rate, she had come by the house and she had not brought my grandmother with her, which she normally did. She brought presents for the kids, you know, pretense of seeing the kids. But as we sat there, she said, I want to talk to you about what you've been learning about people being alive after they die. Oh, really? And within two weeks, she died. So in retrospect, I mean, I thought it was strange at the time. Like she asked you questions about it or what? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Okay. Okay. And just she and I, so in retrospect, after her death, I think she knew she was um, going to die. Right. You know, I was going to ask you that too. And I wanted to ask you, do you think people know? Um, if they're in the hospital or if something, you know, has happened, maybe they had an operation or something. Do you think they know? Because I think they do. I, I don't think everyone does, but I think a lot of people do. Okay. And I, I think they even uh, tell stories. I think I mentioned in this current book uh, about people who want to introduce you to folks they're seeing in the room. Right. Right. And um, it frequently is family. Okay. Close family. Okay. Um, in one instance, there was a, a gentleman who was a very religious person who wanted to introduce his nurse to his wife who had come oh. and to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right. who was in the room. Right. And he pointed, and this was his belief system. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that you will find that in other belief systems, they may introduce you to God, deity, a power greater than we are by whatever name they have learned in their own religions. Right. That's who it is. Now you've helped a lot of people dying, uh, die in like a hospice situation. Haven't you? I've helped some, but interestingly enough, a lot of, even though I was what's called an 11th hour um, hospice worker, which means that I would only get called in when they realized that the vital signs were declining. Frequently it, it um, family will show up before okay. the end, but they don't want, they want somebody there. I, in one instance was able to hold the phone up for a, a phone call of a sister who couldn't get there and right. encourage her talk to your sister. She can't hear you. Hearing's 
from everything that I've been able to figure out, the hearing is the last thing to go. And I'm not sure that it is absolutely physical hearing. As much yeah, as and I'm going to tell you that because my dad, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but my father oh, couldn't hear. Yeah. I'm, he had hearing aids. But that day that my daughter called me and she held the phone up, and thank God for FaceTime, right? She held the phone <laughs> up. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I get to say goodbye yeah. to my dad. I mean, what Bye. a wonderful thing. And I know he heard me because he showed up. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah. okay. So, yeah. and then I will say this, he was in my living room after that for a few minutes. I could see, I could feel him. I knew he was there in my living room. It was weird, but I knew, I can't tell you how, of course I'm intuitive, but I just felt his presence and I knew he was there. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you said that. Of course I'm intuitive, but I don't know how. I don't think we always do know how. No, no. And and I told some of my family members that this happened and they looked at me like some of them believe me, but a lot of people just don't believe. Oh, that's true. It's true in my family too. Okay. <laughs> because you know, I'm pretty intuitive. Now I I had the same thing. Uh I will talk, I want to talk a little bit about the grieving. Um, and the reason I bring this up is I've had a lot of death situations happen lately. Um, my ex-husband, my daughter's father died in July of this year and he was my age, maybe a couple years older than me. So it was unexpected and she's just had such a tough time. And I've talked to her about, you know, that he's in a better place and that he's not, uh, he's not hurting anymore and he's healthy and he's happy, but you know, a lot, she's having a hard time with it. And she has his clothes, like you talked about his, you know, favorite shirts and things like that. But it's a lot of people, even though you can say they're in a better place, they just have a hard time grasping the concept. Do you find that as well? I'm not sure I would express it that way, Nancy. Um, Tell me what you think. I think they're grappling with loss and it's the loss of the physical and they are not like you and I in, in the sense that they have been able to communicate with those not in physical bodies. So they've not had the experience that we've had. It's like, well, I guess the first thing that first job I ever had was as a lifeguard. Okay. (laughs) And, and, you know, to convince a child who's never been swimming that, the water's not dangerous. I mean, some of them just take to it like ducks, okay? Right, right. But, they are, but there's some children who just panic-stricken by water. Right. And because they've had not had the experience of jumping up and down and being safe, they've not had the experience of moving arms and legs and propelling themselves and finding out they can do it. Once they do that, they lose the fear. So, And there are a lot of people who are not like us, and they never have the experience that we have, or they never recognize it. I think that's... Maybe they've had it, but they don't realize it. Yeah, yeah. They don't recognize it, or or they're afraid it makes them too kooky, so they deny that it it ever happened. (laughs) Yeah, and and don't you see more uh, doctors and nurses coming out and speaking about these things now today? Yes, for sure. And what I really wish, and I have, there's only one pediatrician that I've talked to about this, but kids get it. And kids see and know things that maybe adults sometimes don't. And it would be my hope if you get an opportunity to, and I I don't know if I will or not, I may make it a priority, maybe not. Um, 
pediatricians could be re, really leading edge on this. I will say that I, I spent, have spent some time just recently with an emergency room physician. And of course, emergency room physicians see death constantly. Right. And she's very much working with helping people to feel comfortable with dying. She's working with a guy from California uh, who has something called the Shared Crossing Project. Oh, wow. Shared Crossing Project. Okay. Uh, William Peterson is his name, and uh, he he is having seminars and groups um, where he is helping them look forward to crossing. I see. And and one of the things that you and I have talked about today is you said, "Haven't I worked with people in hospice?" And right. I said, "Yes." And sometimes it is you can help them leave their body. Some people are scared to. Yeah. And I think that too, I think a lot of people are afraid. And I, I remember my daughter saying that about her father. She said she was in the hospital and he said, I'm afraid. And I hate, you hate to hear that because you want to reassure them that it's okay, but you can't, they have to go through it. I guess it's like anything else. Oh, um, it is. In, in the uh, loving to the end and on the first chapter is about my very good friend. And when we come back, would you tell us that we're about yeah. 20, 25 seconds to break here. Would you, when we come back, I want you to tell us that story. Would you do that? Yeah. Cause it's not a story of fear. Oh, good. Okay. But it's a story of postponement of okay. death. Guys, this is Nancy Yearout, and we're here today with Lynn Robinson, and she has written a wonderful book called Loving to the End and On, and uh, we'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Thanks for joining us today. We will be right back on High Road to Humanity, but make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. TogiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15% to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Nancy to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com slash Nancy to sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Nancy. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. 
If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle Sparking Wholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Hira. We're back with High Road to Humanity, and I'm your host. We're here today with Lynn Robinson, and we're talking about death, and um, she was going to tell us a story. Go ahead, Lynn. Tell us the story that you were going to say well, before it- the break. Yeah, the story is about the husband of one of my very best friends, the one I just mentioned earlier. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, He was dying very, very slowly. And this is told in more detail in in the book. And nobody could figure out why. I mean, this had been going on for a while. Like how long? Like weeks, months, years? uh, At least least a week. Okay. But even this last day, I mean, he was beginning to model, you know, have a the changing color because of blood flow changes. And so the extremities start changing color, right. which some people may not want to hear, but hospice workers and nurses under anyway, they know those so, things. They can, yeah. they can recognize the signs is what you're yeah. saying. And that yeah. it's, and that it's probably minutes, but in this case, it just, <laughs> it was not minutes. And so I asked, and she, and she had been, a, she had been a, a medical technician and she had a daughter and a granddaughter who were nurses, so they were like, what's going on? You know, right. and she was so sad and sitting there so depressed. And I said, well, can I just go back to his room? But yeah, go. So I'm standing there and all of a sudden I'm aware that he's there. But like before he was sick with this big smile. and this So he's standing there. He's Well, his face is kind of up for me and he's looking at me. And okay. his body's there. So he's know? out of his body. So the soul is out of the body. Yeah, the soul's okay. the body, and he's okay. looking at me, but the body's hanging in there. <laughs> he's not letting me, I mean, he's not letting me quit. Okay. And so he's looking at me with this grin, and I said, why are you still here, or something like that, whatever I said. And he yeah. said that he uh, had more tidying up to do. Oh. Yeah. Cleaning? <laughs> Tidying up, T I meaning, meaning, meaning. I what? didn't know what he meant, so oh. I was back in the other room, and and my friend still, you know, with her head down, and she said, "Well, did you make contact?" Because she didn't believe at this point. Never okay, had, but she tolerated in me. We were born two days apart. Okay, we were lifelong friends. Okay, and she, she just, you know, and I said, "Well." The only thing that I could understand that he said to me is that he had some tidying up to do. And I have no clue what that means. And she's still sitting there with her head down. And then all of a sudden she jumped up and she said, what did you say he said? (laughs) (laughs) I said, he said he had some tidying up to do. I have no clue. She said he said that all the time. (gasps) I said, I never heard him say it. I've never heard him. Over all those years, I had never heard him say that. Okay. Ever. So then she believed. So then she believed. She got all excited. 
and she was standing up. She was grinning. The daughter and granddaughter said, do you think we could go get some lunch now? We're really hungry. We want to go to this seafood place and bring it because they don't live on the coast like we do. And and so she said, she said, they said, will you stay with mom? And I said, of course, go. Right. So then they left. She got up and she's walking around. And she this with this, she goes closer to the room. He's still alive. He's still back there. Okay. And, you know, and she starts talking about various things. And I said, stop, stop. He's in this room with us right now. Now his body's back there, but the essence of who he's in is standing up and we're there. And I said, but it's really weird because he's got on this like Navy suit and he's dancing around. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, oh, he did that every Christmas. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, my she goodness. Said, every Christmas, he would try on the suit that he wore in the Navy in his oh. 40s. At this point, he's in his 80s. I see. To prove he could still get in it. And he would dance around acting silly because he could still get in his Navy suit. And he was proud of that fact. So, oh, absolutely. I so, see. The second thing that he did that's what's called ev- el- evidentiary. It's okay. evidence for a non-believer. The Mm -hmm. first thing was what he said about tidying up. The Mm -hmm. second thing was to show me himself in a situation that was an annual event for her and I had never seen. And I could tell her about it. So that was the confirmation for her. That was the confirmation. It changed everything for her. And she, and then when I was writing this book, and this I think is in the book too, Uh, I called her up one day and I said, you've got to read this and give me your approval to put it in the book. You know, this was the first draft. But Mm -hmm. and she said, well, you've got a couple of minor things that aren't precisely exactly, but it's close enough. She said, but it's funny that you call me today. Because. I was in church earlier and remembering the whole experience the day he died. Now. I wonder <laughs> if he didn't have something to do with that connection, too, because that was reinforcement for both of us. Right. Well, and it's just, you know, that everybody says, you know, and I believe this, too, that our loved ones are around us all the time and they're helping us in any way they can. And they they are I, I believe they really pour out their love on to us. Oh, from, absolutely. Yeah. From where you know, they're at. This discussion that may be one way that people who don't believe can believe when they when they relive as versus remember. Are you getting the difference when you relive an experience with a loved one as versus right. just casual memory of it? But you right. really get into the moment. You feel the feelings that you had at the time. It's quite possible that that's your loved one communicating with you the best way he or she knows how. Right. You know, yeah, no, I'm with you. And I was going to ask you, too, about um, children and grief counseling. How do you feel about that for little children? Um, uh, I have a grandson that was real close to his grandfather before he died, and he's going to be five, and he's going to grief counseling. He took it really hard because that was his friend. And um, then he was worried that everybody else was going to die and leave, and so he's going to grief counseling. Uh, Do you think that's helpful? I think it is. I I think yes, depending on the grief counselor, right, and the fit with the child. 
Right. And, you know, you can have a grief counselor who's wonderful with one child and not as good with another. So I'm, I'm not putting down grief counselors. I'm just saying that finding a good match is important, but also finding ways to talk about um, death and dying. and Yeah, loss for kids. Because kids don't really understand uh, what happened. You know, they're here once and they're here and everything's yeah. fine. And then they're gone. They're so gone. It, yes. But then there are also friends who move away. So that's a good way of kind of telling them. Uh, well, that's a way that they may um, tune into a little bit better. That makes sense. But then they'll say, but, but mommy says I can call him on the telephone. And that's an opportunity to talk about communication. But then uh-huh. when they say mommy says I can go see him, like during vacation, that may be a little harder because not everyone has the capacity that you and I do, not only right. here, but to see and sometimes to travel. I mean, mm-hmm. I traveled with my mother after her death in the most incredibly wonderful way. Wow. Well, tell us. We've got like four minutes here before we go to break. <laughs> tell us, Lynn. Well, I, I was, uh, and I think this may be in the first book, uh, because it's one of, I still grab onto it sometimes because I haven't heard from her very much, but um, I was meditating on um, a cliff in Sedona, and it was an area where not many people are allowed. You have to go with someone who has a license to be there, and I had, had done that, and I was just cross-legged meditating and realized that I was flying. Okay that I had left my body and was soaring and with someone. And then I realized it was mom Uh and we just had this. uh, I mean, I've never been a bird that I know of, but it must be like what it is to be a bird and fly and see and soar and dip. And, and it was, it was funny and fun and beautiful. And I don't know how long that trip lasted. I, became aware that someone was walking on gravel or rock or something behind me and then tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Lynn, uh, we need to leave now. The sun's going down. I had no idea. I see. So I, I, and when I came and I, so I kind of like rubber banded back into my body, right. um, which is not always comfortable. It's not that gradual thing. It's, it's can be jarring. And I realized that tears were running down my face, joy tears of having been with mom. But I was not aware of the physical crying until I was back in my body. How long do you think you were gone with her? Oh, I would say at least 10 minutes because, or maybe even longer because of the amount of time that we were there. When I first began meditating, it was just, it was not that deep. So I don't know how... I don't know. Where'd she take you? Would she show you? Uh, just, uh, <laughs> I can only say again that we were flying and somersaulting and sailing. And, and, and it was just fun. It was just fun. We were just gliding and. Free? I, Did you feel free? Oh, totally. Yeah. That's what I picked up. It just felt like it was freeing for you. Yeah, and it was, I don't know that I can describe where we were. I'm not sure it was earthly. I'm not okay. sure with Earth's atmosphere. Okay. 
You know, I think we have a lot, I I know this sounds weird, but we have a lot to look forward to after this life. I mean, this isn't it. I wish I could get that point across to people because I just, you know, this isn't it. We're just here to learn and to experience and to grow. And then we move on to a different dimension. And so I think if I could just get that across and so people wouldn't be so afraid. I agree with you. And I have some friends who are similar to to the two of us who have out of body experiences and uh, spiritual, very spiritually instructive experiences, spiritually delightful experiences. Yeah. And a few of them really are not enjoying being in a body. They really long to be free again. They're not suicidal. Don't misunderstand me. No, I get you. I get you. It's hard here. You know, I'm going to address that because it's really hard here and it's not easy. And I'm going through some stuff in my life. But you know what? I've realized that there is a bigger picture and God wants has stuff for me to do. And I have to look at the bigger picture sometimes. And I realize that people like you and I are here to help others. Well, I hope we do that. That's the goal, Lynn. But thank you for us. (laughs) We have about 30 seconds to break. I just want to thank you for being here. We've got one more segment. And you guys, if you haven't picked up her book, it's Loving to the End and On. And I know we can pick this up at Amazon. And how do people contact you, Lynn? Well, I have a website, lynnbrobinson.com. I'll be real honest with you. I haven't checked in very much recently. Um, my husband and I just moved from a home where we were living for 35 ah, years. Okay. One that's more appropriate for some of the physical changes. Well, you can I- tell us more about it when we come back from break. <laughs> okay. we're, this is Nancy Yearout, your host. And thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with the high road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to sign up for her intuitive personal coaching program or to book a psychic reading. Kids from Oklahoma, man, we don't waste it. I'm just trying to paint the picture for me. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. Join the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. 
Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Earl, and welcome back to High Road to Humanity. Before I forget, uh, if you want a psychic reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com, and sign up. You can make an appointment with me, and um, I'll be happy to help you guys out. We're here today with Lynn Robinson. We're talking about near-death experiences. We're talking about death, and it's not a bad thing, you guys. It's a good thing. And Lynn was telling me, you moved, you said, after, what, 35 years or something? Yeah, Yes, and so that's a big thing. It is a big thing, and uh, and you'll you'll enjoy one part of that too. But what I was saying is, I'm not checking in very often on my website to answer uh, questions or whatever that people have because this move has been um, a lot. Yeah, ah, I gotcha. And Do you have another but, book in the works. I'm curious about that. Well, I have two or three in my head, and I don't know which one is going to win. Um, so, <laughs> I always but, ask God, okay, God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I usually get hit up on the side of the head with which one it, it should be. But, uh, one of the things that I've done since I have moved into this house is, is as I could, and it, it initially it was, it was just my, my children and grandchildren and some family members who were dropping by but i've been trying to get friends in because i want their energy in this house i feel like it's going to be much more of my home when i i I call them and say i need an energy deposit (laughs) i love that that's so awesome Well, I'm the energy girl. You know, my book was all about energy. Wake well, up, the universe is speaking to you. Yeah, I talk about energy. here, but your voice is putting your energy in this house. Oh, that's so awesome, Lynn. I love yeah. that. <laughs> hey, you guys, we're on Skype or we're on Zoom today. So um, I should mention that to the audience. So if you um, are listening to us on the radio and you want to see us on video, um, you can check out the YouTube channel, um, Nancy, you're out in High Road to Humanity and you'll find us. You'll get to, you'll get to see Lynn and I chatting here today. <laughs> so, you know, Lynn, I want to tell you something. I really feel like the work you do makes a big difference to people. I just want you to know that. Thank you. I hope it's, it does. Yeah, no, gosh, it's made a huge difference for me because I had you on my show earlier this year, back in January of this year. And um, 
you know, I didn't have people start coming to visit me until a few months later. So people like you, and we had talked about some of these things before, it helped me not be afraid and it helped me to feel like I was doing some good work. That's wonderful. So I just, you know. I hope this conversation between the two of us will encourage some of the people who are listening to you or watching the YouTube channel to venture out to their friends and family. If they've had some of these things happen to start the conversation. Um, If you don't know how to start the conversation, but you've read a book by mine, use it. (laughs) Yes. There you go. No, it's true. And didn't you start, I I wanted to mention this too. You started some groups um, when you lived at your other house. I'm not sure the area, but didn't you start a group for people? Um, I, I, I have had groups come to my house, but I also did uh, not-for-credit courses at the okay. university. At the university, okay. Yes, and uh, how do I say this without sounding ridiculous? But because I have a doctorate in business, I have three degrees in business, because I've been a business consultant, um, I was looked at differently than, like I told you, the first book was in the late 90s when there weren't many books like this by right. people with non what did they call it back then? Woo woo, woo woo back backgrounds. Yeah, right. Woo woo. That's why I got a. Yeah, we can't. We get a bad rap, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. So, but I had done so so many things that were not woo woo, and had been presidents of boards of not for profits, and you know the, the whole gambit that you do. And so I was. Um, People would listen to me a little differently right. than, than they would some others. And, you know, I, I, they even they put me on the cover of a local magazine and interviewed me about some stuff. But I do have to tell you that it was the October issue. Ah, the Halloween, the issue. Halloween issue. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, and I can relate. I'm a real estate broker. Um, I have been for 20 years. And, uh, you know, I went from making the money and doing all that stuff to spiritual work because I realized how important it is. And, you know, that we stand up and we talk about these things and we let people know that it's not weird and it's not ooey gooey. It's part of life. And I think, um, that the work we do does make a difference with people because like I said before, the love never dies. And if we could get that across to people to know that, your loved ones are up there, they're there, and they are with you more. People say that, but it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've even spoken to church groups who have asked me, and sometimes that's um, not usual in, in some of the churches. And on that subject, I would like to mention one gentleman who drove three hours from two states over to get to our local IONS meeting, uh, International Association Near Death Affiliate. That's what I was talking about. The international. Now, what did you start? It's the International Association of Near Death Studies. Of Near Death Studies. Okay. Okay. And I started a local group, even though I have not had a near death experience. Right. That's what we were talking about early. I just felt a relationship with them. Okay. We had this one gentleman come from two states over. He drove at least three hours. And he had been a Pentecostal type minister. I see. And had spoken all over 
not all over the world, but in some other countries, all over the Southeast and in some other countries. And he had a near-death experience and it changed the way he wanted to talk about God and religion. Well, yeah. Well, it does. It really does. When I saw my dad, I wanted to tell everybody, and I don't care if they think I'm nuts or not, I want people to know that these things are real. I'm good. And he did too. But his congregation and his family didn't like it. How come, you th- how come you think we're so programmed that way, Lynn? <laughs> um, well, I won't, I won't get into that. I want to tell you what this guy did, though, because it's a lesson for other people. He had to quit his church. They didn't want him there anymore. Oh, no. And he had to quit his church. And bless his heart, that's very Southern. My apologies for that. But No, he- you're good. You're good. I love that. Bless your heart. <laughs> he, would, he would call me sometimes and say, I apologize for calling you. I know this isn't what you do. You run the meetings, but I can't get over there. I don't have anybody to talk to. Within about five months of his NDE, or maybe it was five months of having him having to leave the church where he had been the minister, he had taken training as a hospice minister, and he had gotten a job as a hospice minister. That's fantastic. Yes. That's See, that's God's work. That's God using him as his vessel to do the work that needs so to be done. Still do, he could still work in the beloved work of his God right. in a help others to feel that love, you know, capacity. He just had to move from the church to a hospice setting. Wow. And he, and he did it a different way. Right. Because of his own experience. It, it was a really lovely outcome. That is a lovely outcome. And, and thanks for sharing that with us because uh, there's so many people who do this work. Now, have you talked to any doctors or nurses who have uh, quit doing what they're doing and gone into ministry or anything like that? Because they've seen this. Um, only, well, no, they've not quit. They continue to do it. But do they look at things differently? Are they more compassionate? Uh, I don't know about being more compassionate. Um, well, maybe in the sense that I think you mean it. Yes. They're more open. They're more open to understand. Because when you're in, if you're in the ER and you see a lot of people die, I mean, you have to pick this up. I mean, you'd have to be, you know, not well, with the program. Don't. Some don't. Really? They just really? cut the, they shut themselves off to it. I, whatever. Um, I, I, well, that's another thing in, in the book. I talk about people have um, what Ned Herman called different brain preferences, meaning they use different capacities of the brain. And I think there's some physicians that are more analytical and less empathetic. Okay. For, I think I think the, the example that I use is a radiologist who does nothing but read x-rays all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's into data. Right. He's not into feelings. Right. What he's doing is incredibly important, but he will transfer the knowledge to a physician who is maybe a little more into feeling. Right. And if, if you have the kind of illness where you need a physician who has feelings and the, and you've got one who's totally analytical, you may need to seek uh, additional help. Switch because sometimes, yeah, it's better. Now, sure. Or on, on, Add one or find a way to get that need met. 
Right. No, I know what you're saying. You know, and I've noticed, it seems uh, in the last, oh, I don't know, few years, I maybe it's because I'm doing this work more and more. I see more and more people who are becoming more spiritual, who are becoming more open, and, and they're not afraid to talk about this stuff. Because uh, I have all kinds of different, you know, guests on my show who come and talk about, you know, angels and Archangel Michael and, and God and prayer and energy. And it just seems like in the last, oh, I don't know, five, 10 years, it's got, I mean, I'll just say the last five years, uh, things seem to be opening up because I think it's our chance to raise the consciousness. I actually, I know it's the opportunity to raise the consciousness and raise the, uh, the vibration here. Do you see that? Absolutely. And one of the ways I see it is through my work with the uh, uh, International Association of Near-Death Studies. Just in the last year, uh, IONS has created some online meeting groups as versus local where you physically have to be there. So because I told you about the guy who had to drive three hours to get to our meeting. Well, right. If he right. wanted to now, he could he could join an online. They're not, they're not a lot of them yet. And it's just begun. But it's also begun in other languages. Wow. Yeah. And it, and also, let's say you're in Australia, but if you're, you know, a late night person or something or an early night, you can join a group anywhere in the world, depending right. on. And know, connect. You can yeah. connect with other people who have the same, uh, who have the same, you know, feelings, same interests, same ideas. Absolutely. Okay. So, That's so it, it is spreading. Well, what if I wanted to do that? How do we, how do you do that? Do you just go online and, and Type in international near death experience. I A N D S. Okay. I think it's dot org. Okay. And so that's what the audience can do if they want to go and say that again, Lynn. Well, it's the initials of the International Association of Near Death Studies. So it's I International. Right. A Association in Near D Death. S studies, I-A-N-D-S. Okay. Dot, I think it's dot org. Okay. All right. And they can go on there. And then what kind, what do they offer? They have, you say they have. Oh, they um, offer so many things that, that you can, um, you can see if there's something online you want to read. There are so many near death stories that are on there of all ages of people. There are also groups. You, you might look under groups, IONS groups. They'll yeah. give you ones that may be in your local community or they'll uh, right. you can find the ones that are online. I have a question for you. Since you've been doing this work, what's been the most surprising thing that you've come across? I mean, what's just been like, wow, just floored you since you've been doing this kind of work? We got about one minute, so that's how we're going to end the show today. Because um, <laughs> I just, I know you got something. <laughs> well, no, but I, I think one of the most amusing things was the, the, the gal who had the near-death studies and went to work in the funeral parlor. And and because she could get a good job putting makeup and doing hair because, you know, Working right. bodies didn't bother her. She, but then they all started talking to her, <laughs> and they all and they wanted her. They wanted her to deliver messages to the family. And what I did have to do, and this is interesting, and I, I hope you can relate to it, is she was saying, "I, I think I'm going to have to quit because it just all you oh. know, all the time." And I said, "No, you know, you need to learn how to close that channel." Yeah, it's what we were talking about earlier. Yes, you need, you need to learn how to shut it down. You do not have to, just like you did, the phone rings and I've got a phone over here, you know, I, um, right, right. an old-fashioned one sitting right here. Right. 
um, I don't have to pick it up if it rings. That's right. Hey, you guys. Well, Lynn, I just want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And I hope you'll come back with your next book. Tell me you will. Well, I would love to, but who knows when that'll be. And maybe sometime you'll you'll have a moment and or somebody will cancel and you want to keep talking about it. And this. I'll call you. Absolutely. Okay. You guys, the book is Loving to the End and On with Lynn Robinson. Lynn, thank you. This is Nancy Earl, your host. And thanks so much for tuning in today. Have a great week and we'll see you next week on The High Road. Join me next week on High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. To sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading, visit my website, www.nancyyearout.com. My email address is nancy at highroadtohumanity.com. So have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination.